0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark and I'm the Associate Director of Church Society. This week we're going to be talking about living in love and faith. I know, I know, I can hear the groans already. It is a subject we've all thought about more than we want to and yet feel guilty that we haven't really thought about it properly. And yet, time is moving on. The original deadline for submission of responses to Living in Love and Faith was November. Now, that has been pushed back to April of 2022. Take a sigh of relief. But the Next Steps group will begin considering responses from November. And I do think that the sooner we can uh, begin to submit our responses and encourage our congregations to submit their responses, the more impact they will have. So in today's episode, we are going to be talking to the two Robbies. Robbie Strachan, who works at St. Andrew the Great in Cambridge, is going to be telling us a bit about what they've been doing to engage with Living in Love and Faith. And we're also going to be hearing from Neil Robbie, Vicar of Holy Trinity in West Bromwich, about his creative response to the Living in Love and Faith material. First, I just want to give us a quick reminder of what living in love and faith actually is. It is not one thing. It is what they have called a suite of resources. There is a book, a fairly substantial book, that you can buy or you can get as a free digital download to read through. There is, of course, the course, and that is what dioceses have been Uh, generally promoting and encouraging churches or deaneries uh, to do. It's a five-week course. It includes videos and there's a study guide. Uh, There's even a little bit of Bible content, emphasis on little. Uh, What else is there? Well, there are podcasts that you might choose to listen to. And there's a whole range of little videos uh, where people are talking about their own lives, their own experiences and telling us how they are living as they see it in love and faith. In order to respond to living in love and faith, you do not have to have engaged with all of that material. You don't have to have read the book. You don't have to have done the course. You don't have to have done any one part of it. If you have engaged with the content at all, you are entitled to submit your response. In some places, it may be appropriate to run the course at your church, maybe for your PCC, for example, or maybe uh, in a home group kind of setting if you feel confident to do that. But you may not want to. You may feel that for your church and your congregation, the course could actually be uh, disturbing and unhelpful rather than something that they're able to engage with uh, appropriately. And that's fine. You can still help them engage with living in love and faith and respond to living in love and faith in other ways. For example, you might show a handful of the short videos. You could show one in a service or during a sermon and then talk about it, help them to understand what's going on in that video, what's being said, and how the Bible helps us to understand how to respond to that. Your congregation would then be able to submit their responses. You could teach about issues of sexuality, identity, gender in your church. You could do that in a sermon, you could do that in a home group series or at a midweek meeting. And you could refer to sections of the Living and Love and Faith material. Your congregation would have engaged, therefore, with living in love and faith and be able to respond to it. There are a number of ways uh, that Church Society have produced resources to help you do some of this. There's a very quick, short video introduction to what living in love and faith is and why that matters. You could show that to a PCC meeting or you could show it in a Sunday morning service. There are the You Are Not Your Own videos which take us through the key issues of living in love and faith, from identity, obedience, discipleship, as well as issues of sex and marriage. You could use those as a short teaching section in a Sunday service week by week and help people to understand those things from a biblical perspective so that they can engage with living in love and faith. And there are the colouring sheets anyone can respond to living in love and faith using those. And again, think about how you could do that appropriately with different parts of your congregation. You could teach even your youngest Sunday school children that to love someone means to tell them the truth, not to lie, because that wouldn't be loving them. And then they could colour in the true love loves truth posters. You could teach them the verse that's referenced from 1 Corinthians. You could do some teaching with your older children, who are beginning to understand a bit more about sex and gender. They're being taught about that at school from even quite a young age, and certainly teenagers will know enough to understand what these issues are. We need to be teaching them about these things anyway, precisely because they will be being taught about it in their schools, where they will hear all kinds of things, that are not biblical and not true. And so again, you might encourage them to respond creatively. You could still use the colouring sheets with that age group. Or you could encourage them to think about their own responses, creative responses, poems, songs. Um, They could write something of their own testimony or experience. Or they could fill in the, the survey. I'll put the survey... The link to the survey in the show notes for this episode. Anyone can fill in that survey. You don't have to sign up to the Living and Love and Resources uh, Hub on the Church of England website. It's a freely open link, and anyone is welcome to fill in the survey and send that in. Do encourage the young people in your church, particularly, to do that. Their voices will carry great weight in this debate. So There's some ideas and some resources from Church Society. In a moment, we'll start hearing uh, from Robbie about what they've been doing at St Andrew the Great. But first, George Crowder has something to tell us about.
1: Church Society is a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. One thing we're really focusing on is church revitalisation. In many places it might be the best way to reach local people with the good news of Jesus. In some places it might be the only way. In partnership with Renew, Church Society is offering a series of bi-monthly webinars to connect, encourage and equip people in this ministry. It can be challenging, it can be isolating, but God is calling more and more people to do it. If you are one of those people, or you are thinking about it, or you just want to know more about it, please join us. The next Church Revitalisation webinar is on Wednesday the 10th of November at 1pm. The theme will be Revitalisation as Mission. As well as a presentation on this theme, there will be a spotlight on rural ministry, time for questions and then discussion in regional breakout groups.
2: Hi, I'm Robbie Schacken. I've just finished my um, curacy at St. Andrew the Great Church in Cambridge. I've been kind of re staying on um, in a kind of similar role, but I, I basically look after the undergraduate students that come to St. Andrew the Great. Um, so we're a church with like, quite a few students, actually, from Anglia Ruskin University, Cambridge University, and um, a couple of other little unis locally as well. Um, we've also got lots of people in their 20s and 30s, internationals, kind of families um, but yeah the student ministry's been part of our church for a bit and
0: wonderful and i used to go to st andrew the great a, a number of years ago not not for a long time but for a bit it's quite a big church isn't it i remember thinking i never sat next to the same people on a sunday morning
2: it can sometimes feel like that yeah and i think like all churches we've felt the impact of the pandemic i think yeah. you know we we don't feel as big as we did 2 years ago in some of our services and um But yeah, I think in lots of ways, we're blessed to have um, a number of people that come.
0: So um, Robbie, I know you have um, begun at least the process of engaging with the Living in Love and Faith materials at St Andrew the Great. Can you tell us a bit about what you've done so far?
2: Yes. yeah. Um, Yeah. So a few different things. I mean, I think we were aware that big conversations like this have been coming in the Church of England for a while. So particularly somewhere like PCC. We've been praying about the issues and thinking about them um, quite a bit. And then I guess as we learned about what LLF would look like um, and kind of understood it as a kind of suite of resources, as, as they describe it with this book and the kind of um, the, the course material to go through in the videos and the kind of all extra stuff online and things like that. Um, part of it was educating people about what LLF actually was going to be. <laughs> I think some people maybe particularly people on the PCC who kind of want to keep, want to be aware of what's going on in the church of England. Um, I think maybe they were expecting some kind of decision or some kind of like, this is the official teaching of the church of England. And, and part of it was trying to just understand what LLF actually is, which is this kind of invitation for conversation and listening and all the rest um, and helping them to see that. I guess we've thought about our response to LLF in two big ways. We've thought about an, an internal kind of helping the church to think through some of the issues that LLF raises, um, things to do with sexuality, um, but also things to do with interpretation of scripture and how do we understand the Bible, things to do with human identity, what does it mean to be made in God's image? There are lots of things that LLF covers and we thought kind of internally, we want to help people think about these things from an evangelical perspective and from a Christian perspective and an Anglican perspective and all the rest. Um, we've also been thinking a little bit, and I guess um, we've not done quite so much on this. We're, we're, we're moving into this in the next few months. We've, we've been thinking a little bit about kind of an, an external thing too. So the LLF course actually invites responses from churches who go through the material. And we've been thinking, actually, we, as you say, Ros, we, maybe we are a slightly larger church. We've got a kind of slightly more than average congregation of younger people. Um, generally, the Church of England kind of wider more widely and kind of um like our culture would expect people who are young to have very progressive views on things like sexuality and i guess we want to slightly say in this process there are lots of people at this church who who love the bible and who have a a kind of orthodox view on some of the issues raised in llf um, and who love church and this is what they say this is their response
0: Absolutely. I mean, I, I definitely don't want to discourage anyone who's listening to this in their, their later years from from submitting their response. You know, that is really valuable too. But I am absolutely sure that responses from young people will be given really serious consideration. Um, And, and I think that's a, a really important thing to notice if you've got lots of students, lots of teenagers, young people in your church to encourage them is a really great thing to do. So tell us what that's like in practice. Have you done the LLF course? Are you planning to?
2: We've done it with some people from the PCC and the staff. So we started with with kind of them, asked the volunteers um, to run it um, sort of the end of last year before the summer. Um, and we're just about to run it again in the next few weeks with people from the whole like the whole church, just invited. I guess we've kind of done it it's not—it's not, it's not in the big—it's not going to be the biggest thing that we kind of advertise. We've also got, you know, a kind of new evangelistic course running along basically at the same time, and we'd love to really encourage people to get into that. But for a few people, it'll be appropriate to do this. Um, so we're, we'll kind of, I guess, perhaps ask a couple of individuals whether they'd like to be involved in this process, particularly if we feel they've got some interesting, like, we want to learn from them and they've got some interesting contributions to make. Um, And uh, we'll also just say anyone who wants to be involved can. Um, So, so, yeah, we have, we are, we've run the course sort of with a smaller group, PCC and stuff, and then we're going to run it with the rest of the church as well. Um, Other churches in our deanery and and evangelical churches in our city have been doing it with other churches. So maybe an evangelical church and a kind of Anglo-Catholic church, whatever, doing it together. Um, I felt like we missed a bit of a boat on that. We we didn't really, (laughs) all the... um, all the churches sort of outside of our tradition in the, in the deanery, are, um, they're already paired up.
0: And have you used any of the other materials? Have, have you been uh, using any of the video resources or has anyone read the book, that kind of thing?
2: Yeah, so a few of us on the staff have read the book. Um, and uh, initially somebody sort of read the book and kind of responded to it for the PCC. So wrote a bit of a short summary and kind of some, some reflections on it. Um, I guess actually one other thing that we, we did that was kind of for, for PCCs and things like that, we had a bit of a joint PCC meeting with the uh, Renew churches in our area where actually Lee came and talked to us. Um, and uh, that was a that was of time. I think, um, I guess the other major thing that we've, I've talked about this internal, external thing. Um, one of the internal things we were thinking about is like, well, uh, how, how would we like to prepare people to engage with the LLF material. We're we're aware that some of it approaches the way that you might listen to God in scripture or um, the way that you might kind of analyze somebody's experience of something um, in ways that might be a little bit misleading for some. some. Um, There were some kind of aspects of the course that we felt weren't necessarily the most helpful thing. We weren't gonna roll it out into all of our home groups, for example. So at the end of last, last academic year, sort of, I guess, towards the summer, Um, we were thinking about some extra teaching and training for the whole church family on the issues that the course raised. And we did that internally. So we, I guess those speaking and teaching in those sessions, read the book and responded to the book and thought about the arguments in the book. And um, I don't know about others, but I looked at some of the um, kind of extra academic papers and stuff on the website um, as well. Um, But that kind of stuff was very much kind of in the background. Um, so we did this sort of six-part course and we basically actually we did it instead of home group bible studies for six weeks Um, we ran into our kind of 20s and 30s night so that particularly that 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 part of the congregation would really hear some of this teaching and we did stuff on scripture um, the authority of scripture the interpretation of scripture sexuality marriage what it means to be a human and then a kind of final session on what is real love and faith and living in love and faith looked like a kind of session on, on unity and ha, ha, yeah i guess how you approach some of these issues in the big picture And i think it was people found it very helpful so
0: that's a thing that was open to everyone in the church in home groups whatever sort of uh setting they were in that were materials that you'd produced as a church addressing the same kinds of issues that's a really helpful thing i think because a lot of people will be looking at the materials and and just thinking I, I know I need to teach my congregation about these things, but I'm not sure I want the first thing for them to hear to be what they, they will see with living in love and faith. And so you might want to do that, perhaps people in small groups, in the way that you did. It could be a sermon series or or some other uh, kind of teaching just to help the whole church understand a bit more of what the Bible is teaching so they're better equipped than to, to engage with living in love and faith with more awareness of, of what might be going on there. And um, in terms of the, the people who did the actual course, what sort of, um, how, did, how did that go down with them?
2: I tried to run it like as it came, not, not give any sort of, like yeah, use the sort of prayers that they have at the beginning and kind of use the questions that they have for discussion and, and not try and give any lead on it. I don't know whether that was the right thing to do or not. I, I think um, what I found was that when we we ran it with the staff and the PCC, I think we're we're very blessed to have a PCC that's, they're very, they're faithful, godly, lovely people. And they kind of understand, I think, a little bit, the Anglican church and some of these issues. Um, There was a shared, I think, a shared understanding about some of the core issues um, of sexuality and stuff in the course, which actually meant that some of the stuff led to some really fruitful discussion. There's some good stuff in there about, of what does it look like to be the kind of church where you're actually genuinely welcoming to somebody who is different from you we talked we had some really helpful conversations about singleness and how we think about marriage in our church um we had some really helpful conversations about what it might actually look like for somebody who's same-sex attracted to walk into the church building hear the gospel and become a christian and then sort of like what kind of a church would we need to be in order to welcome somebody like that those sorts of conversations were really, really fruitful. I guess they were made particularly fruitful because we all had this kind of shared orthodox understanding of sexuality. I guess one of the key reasons why we ran this six-week teaching series ourselves was because like, you might think of somewhere like a, a kind of big evangelical church like St. Andrew Great and think everyone's on the same page. I think we're just aware that like, in our home groups in small groups amongst some of the 20s and 30s who are plugged into our ministries and things. Um, this stuff's really confusing, and the world is bombarding you with all sorts of other things. Um, so we really wanted to teach clearly on that um, before opening up the course to others. So I don't know how it's going to go in the next when we run it this time. I can imagine there'll be slightly a little bit more diversity of opinion on some things.
0: That's really great, though, to hear that actually doing it in that context with people who generally are, are orthodox on these things and have that like-mindedness, it was still fruitful um, and useful. I think a lot of the time. As evangelicals, even when we, you know, we're pretty clear on what we think about these things, we just don't talk about them very much. And and if it's opening up some some useful conversations, that's great. It will be fascinating uh, to hear how it goes, uh, obviously, with the, the sort of wider group. Have you thought about how and when and how you will try to encourage people to do the next step, which is not just engage with the materials, but then actually make responses to that?
2: Yeah, to be honest, not, not loads, like a little bit, there's a survey that you fill in after every single session of the course. You kind of have to fill in the survey in order to move on to the next thing. So that forces you to do some reflection and make some feedback. And then there's a big survey at the end as well, um, which I encourage people to do. And I think what I meant to do with the PCC and the staff course, uh, as we did it with the PCC and the staff was to, um, was to kind of collate responses and to, and to put it in a really persuasive way (laughs) and then send it. And I, you know what it's like I didn't quite have time to write it quite like that so I think maybe I'll that's the kind of thing I'm aiming for, for for the next next course to at least get some kind of summary snapshot of like this is what we discussed. these are some of the things where you know there's some helpful things that we've we've learned and we've listened to the experience of others but overall basically forming a bit of a almost like an essay or a paper or something that we'll, we'll send in
3: yeah
2: whether or not that's going to be read by the the next steps group I don't know, I, I, trust, I trust them when they say they'll read every piece of resource. And it would be interesting to think about other kinds of creative responses. I guess one idea that we had was to do short little story clips, like they've got on the Living in Love and Faith from people in our congregation who, you may be same-sex attracted, but want to, like, want, want to live a life of celibacy and, and kind of obey the Bible's teaching. Um, for, for example, I think yeah, yeah. having a few little snapshots like that would probably be more impactful, but it's really hard to know because you're sending it to this this sort of group of, like, you don't really know who they are, like, you, there's yeah, no yeah. kind of, I don't know whether they're going to read stuff.
0: Yeah, well, essentially, I mean, I was talking to someone last week who was involved with uh, some of the Church of England's previous setups around this issue, investigations, the pilling report and so on, and he said that then, even unsolicited, people were just sending them all kinds of stuff. And it's all archived carefully and in a vault somewhere. So this time they've actually invited it. I, I feel like they they must. And and I, I feel reasonably hopeful it will at least be looked at. Whether it's all read and digested in great detail, I don't know. But I, I love your idea of doing those little story clips uh, with people. I think those would be really powerful. You know, we've seen how important individual testimony can be. And I think... Uh, that's a great idea. um Just finally, Robbie, do you have any advice for churches that that have been ignoring this and putting it at the bottom of the, of the to-do list for a long time and yet to get going? What What would you suggest?
2: Um, I mean, in some ways, it's, it's getting close to the deadline for us as well. It's the kind of thing that isn't top priority, um, but we need to have a space for things that are important but not like top top priority. So, um, I think. What I would say is, like, plan it into some plans. Your meetings, get it into a PCC agenda. Yeah, just set aside a bit of time. Just get the dates in and and do it. Um, and yeah, maybe I mean, Roz, you just suggested you don't have to run the whole course. You could just do this all. I mean, I think actually it's probably one thing worth saying. We there were five sessions to the course. In order to cut time, we just did four sessions, and I got them to do one session on their own. You don't have to do the whole thing, but some kind of engagement and response. I mean, I think the reason the reason we're so we want to do it. It's because of this outward facing thing. I mean, there's the inward facing, like, yeah, we want to prepare our church to think about these issues just in general, but that should have, that should be part of our regular teaching. And I think it is, but it's this outward facing thing. They're asking for responses. So we as an evangelical Orthodox church in the church of England feel like we want to say something. We want to say about, say something about the true gospel and how wonderful the story that Jesus says about sexuality is and that we actually believe it. (laughs) Just to say if you did want to see any of the stuff that we did it's on you can get all the talks online and you'd be so welcome to use them in your church. there's other um kind of uh book recommendations all that sort of thing it's on stag.org better story
0: i'll put that link in the blog post which accompanies this episode thank you so much to robbie for sharing all that he's been doing at saint andrew the great we're now going to hear an extract from neil robbie's response to the living in love and faith materials Neil has produced a a beautiful wood carving, a sculpture, which he calls the Imago Dei. I'm going to put photos of it on the blog post that goes with this podcast, and you may wish to to look at those um, and see what Neil is talking about. But for those of you who are just listening on the run, I will try to describe it for you. It is made of wood. There are two interlocking rings of wood carved from the same piece of wood in the first place. And one of those rings has the male symbol on it and the other, the female symbol on it, so that they are formed as the circle with a cross and the circle as the arrow held together. And on each of those, from every angle, you can read the words Imago Dei. It's, uh, I don't know, it's about eight inches in diameter, something like that. And it's carved at a size that it's comfortable to hold in the hand. It's a really lovely tactile object. I've been privileged to actually hold it in the flesh so I can tell you uh, what a lovely experience that is. And Neil has produced a video of him holding the piece, showing where he worked on it in his wood carving uh, shed out the back and uh, sitting around in, in his garden and in, uh, as you'll hear at one point inside uh, his house talking about the process of making it and what it symbolises, reflecting on it in the light of the Bible's teaching on what it means for us to be created, male and female, what it means for us to be sexual beings. The whole video is well worth watching and I will put a link to that too. These are just some extracts of Neil's reflections on his Imago Dei wood carving.
3: Hello and welcome to my workshop. It's Neil Robbie here, Vicar at Holy Trinity Church, West Bromwich. This is where I play with wood and follow in the footsteps of my grandfather who was a woodwork teacher in the Borders in Scotland. and My dad, who although he's a dentist, also loved working with wood. I just love playing with wood and the tools used for shaping it. So this is the story of the making of the Imago Day uh, sculpture or or wood carving, and it began with a single log which I scavenged from the local park when a tree was cut down last winter, and that's um, the log as I started working on it. I Cut out uh, four sections from the log, uh, leaving a cross shape, and from that cross shape I began to to shape the two rings, and so you'll see. Uh, the 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 cuttings I began to make through the wood, the drilling, and shaping with various tools. That's when the rings first became a reality, and they first separated, very rough and ready. And that's when the work of real shaping began. And so, um, using various tools to round off edges and and remove unwanted wood, just feeling my way through the the sculpture until I reached the article. So when I began the project to carve this wood I had an image in mind of what I was hoping to create from a single log. Uh, but as I shaped this finished product there were two or three deep emotional connections I made with um, the wood and with what I believe from God's Word is true about human beings who are made in the image of God. One of the first things that really struck me was as I wrote um, Imago Dei in quite stark, black text, um, that the, the written word here stands out because it is the way that we know we are made in the image of God, that God has revealed this to us in His Word. And so the the written script becomes a symbol of the written word and the revelation of God. We are made in his image, Imagwade, male and female. I think the second thing that struck me really deeply as I made this um, from one log, one piece of wood, uh, was the pleasure it gave me in creating it. And the, the fact that human beings were not made from nothing but were made from things that God had already created Give me a sense of how much pleasure God had in forming human beings from material he'd already made. I think the wood gives me a sense of the shared essence of human beings, that we are made in the image of God, male and female, but of the same essence of equal value, equal dignity, equal worth, equally loved by our Creator. And so and so the, the single piece of wood which forms the two rings gives me a deep sense of our shared essence and the image of God. There is also then the the way that the two rings together are a reflection of God's image so that neither male nor female alone can reflect the image of God. But together, as human beings made in the image of God, male and female, we reflect his image together. Before we can talk about redemption, uh, I've come into my bed because um, when I've taken photographs of uh, the the maglade. There are certain angles which reflect an intimacy and sensuality, which is related to sex. And the bed is the place where we most think of the expression or um, fulfilment of of sexual desire uh, between uh, two people. And and as we thought about the scars and the imperfections and the cuttings and grazings, then for most of us, in fact all of us, there is somewhere in our past, maybe even our present, there's something of that um, wounding of sin which has come through uh, perhaps unwanted sexual advances or abuse and perhaps from our own desires and um, manipulation of situations. All sorts of ways in which we carry the scars of sexual desire and practice in the wrong place. The Lord God set boundaries. He, was, he set them in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. He said, do not eat and yet Eve wouldn't listen. Uh, she followed her desires She went where um, her eyes took her, her appetite took her, and ended up in a place of brokenness and curse. And Jesus came. The whole video is just
0: over 10 minutes long and includes beautiful images of the sculpture itself. I will include a link to that in the show notes, and I really encourage you to go and watch it just for your own encouragement, as well as a great example of how we can respond creatively to the issues in living in love and faith. It doesn't have to be colouring in or cross-stitch. It can be something as manly as wood carving. You can even use power tools if you want to. I do think it is important that at least some evangelicals do take up that opportunity to respond creatively, to engage with the emotions uh, as well as with the intellect. We know there are important arguments to be made, but we also know that in order for those arguments to be heard, we first need to uh, win for ourselves a place at the table with people who want to respond very emotionally uh, based on their own experience and those of their loved ones. Thank you so much uh, for listening to this episode of the podcast. I'm going to be back again with next week's episode where we'll be thinking a bit more about General Synod, what it involves, what it's like being a member and how you uh, can be involved in supporting, encouraging, helping and praying for the new General Synod. Do tune in again next time. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app and we'd love it if you are able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well.